Well, good morning, church. Let's go ahead and stand together. to be found you're just asleep and it's time to leave
close your eyes and focus on Jesus this morning and sing out a song comes from your spirit just covering with worship and praise this morning because he is worthy this morning I pray that you will hear our hearts cry. Father, that you will see and know God, that we love you. God, there's no one like you. God, you are Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. God, you are everlasting Father. God, this morning as we lift our hands and lift our hearts and lift our voices, God, we want you to see our heart. God, may our heart be that of love and dedication to you. Father, I never want to be guilty of taking your love for granted. God, I pray that I live my life in such a way 
that is honor to you. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. I'm going to ask you, as he continues to play, going to sing that through one more time but 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 this time I want you to take just a moment before we do and be, just reflect on your own life and ask God father am I living my life in a way that represents my love for you and then as they begin to sing that again I'm going to ask just as Nick did Whatever is comfortable for you, or, or maybe I should say, maybe, maybe what's uncomfortable for you. Because a lot of times we are so programmed to do things a certain way, but maybe you've never lifted your hands as a representation of saying, God, I love you. God, I surrender my life to you. God, I'm... All yours. So maybe it's just a, a step of something a little uncomfortable. But I believe that if you'll take that step, that God will see it. And He will see your heart. So as we sing that again, I'm going to ask for the next minute that you tell God how much that you love Him. Sing it, Pastor Nick. Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You are the one our hearts adore. Oh, I lift my hands. Jesus, we of your love to others, the love that you have given and shown us. God, as we prepare to go into your word, God, I pray that you will anoint our ears and our hearts to hear what it is that you would say to us. God, we are believing for life-changing experiences this morning, experiences that will change our lives forever, that we can leave here different than we came in. Father, we love you and we praise you. And it's in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Look at somebody and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning on this chilly. How many people had to turn your heat on when you got in the car this morning? Oh, you're the late crowd, so it's probably warmed up already. It's probably warmed up. Now, when, I, when we got out this morning, uh, I, I, I loved it because... I even got to put my fall coat on. 
And, uh, but we want to thank you for being here. If you're a guest, thank you for joining us this morning. And um, we are so blessed here at Gateway to have so many talented uh, ministers and, and people who minister every week. And uh, this morning you get a special treat. Uh, Pastor Brandon is going to do the second week of our um, series on faith that we've been talking about Elisha. And, and I pray that, uh, and, and I know, I was here first service, I know that he's going to, to bring the word and uh, your life's going to be changed. Can we give him a hand as he comes uh, this morning? He puts the pressure on. So as Pastor J.W. mentioned, we, we started today a series last week and, um, about Elisha and, and, and talking about faith. Uh, last week, Pastor talked about uh, uh, burning plows and, and leaving anything behind that would uh, keep us from following God or, or moving ahead, uh, anything that would stand in our way, getting rid of it, to removing it from our lives. And we're going to build on that today, and we're going to talk about faith that works, and we're going to talk about uh, digging ditches today. See, our purpose in this series is to, to ask God to give our church a faith greater than it ever has had before. Uh, not just our church, but the church. And, and everyone sitting here, we, it's our prayer to see that God does a work in you to, to give you the faith uh, like you've never seen. And, and that is uh, kind of our purpose and, and, and our, our, our drive behind this series because we know and as it's been said last week, and I'm sure you, you've heard it before, that faith without, or without faith is impossible to please God. Before I go any further this morning, I don't want, you don't have to raise your hands, but I want to ask you the question of how many of us have found ourselves sometimes uh, saying the, uh, if only I had game in our head. If only I had a better job. If only I had a, a husband or a wife, maybe a better husband or a better wife. I don't know what your situation might be, but what if I had more money? If only I had more money. If only I had more hair. If only I had, uh, if I was skinnier, if only, whatever your if only is. I want you to think about that this morning. I want you to, to listen to this message and encourage you to listen to this message through the lens of your greatest need. Uh, experience the teaching of God's word through the lens and through the, the idea of your greatest need. We're going to talk this morning uh, about 2 Kings chapter 3, and we're going to kind of give you a background. In this part of the scripture, there was three kings. Three kings that, that um, joined they joined forces together and they believed that it was going to be an easy battle. Because if we, if we have three against one, if we, have, if we have the opportunity to have three people versus, or three kingdoms versus one, we think we know what the outcome might be. We already kind of have that determined. Logic tells us and common sense tells us that if three people are fighting against one person, most likely the outcome is going to be victorious for those three. But so many times in life and we find ourselves knowing and expecting things to happen and it only makes sense for it to fall a certain way, but it ends up, our plans get changed. It doesn't go as planned and that's exactly what happens here. They find themselves in trouble. They find themselves marching in the desert for seven days without any water. And they realize at this point they're completely out of water. Their troops are about to die. The animals that they brought with them are about to die. They have a very specific and a very significant need. This story is going to teach us a principle. It's going to show us today that, that our greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives us to depend on God. I want to say that one more time, that our greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives us to depend on God. Let's start our story in 2 Kings 3, 9 and 12. So the kings of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the, ar the army had no more water for themselves 
or for the animals with them. What exclaimed the king of Israel? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there any prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? And the officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha is here. Son of Shaphat is here. He, is, or he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. So we find ourselves here with these three kings. Their troops are out of water. They're about to die. They're needing to find a solution to their problem. They thought they were going to win easy. They thought this battle was going to be easy, and it turned into be something completely difficult. And they find themselves in trouble. See, something that, that this text didn't tell us and that we might not know is, is that these kings was not serving God. At this time in their lives, that they was not serving God. And, but when they find themselves in trouble, when they find themselves in a significant and a bad situation... They're looking for answers, and they're looking for help from God. So they ask, is there anybody out there that has the hookup? Is there anybody that, that is connected with God? Is there someone spiritual enough that can pull some spiritual strings to help us out? Is there someone out there that can do a rain dance and make the water fall from heaven, and they remember Elisha? See, Elisha, as we talked about last week, he started mentoring under Elijah, so he hadn't been a prophet very long. He hadn't been established very long, but he had already started to perform great miracles. His name was already getting out there. He, at this point, had already split the Jordan River. He'd already spoke to a, a polluted spring of water, a, a spring of water that if you drank of it, it, would, it could kill you. It would, it would make you sick. And he was able to, to speak to that spring and speak healing over that water that he was able to now drink of that water. And then my personal favorite, because I just think it's hilarious, two guys were making fun of him for being bald. And, and he was able to, to pray and summon bears to kill those men for making fun of him. Now, I said this morning, which I'll be honest with you, in the first service, a lot more people this could have offended than that's in the second service. I said, you notice when I said more hair a while ago, I didn't make fun of anybody or call anybody out because I don't know who has connections with God and I don't know how close a bear might be. But he had already established himself, so they go and they ask Elijah, can you help us? Now, I'm that type of person when I start reading or I, I start getting ready for a sermon and I start reading about somebody, lots of times I connect with that person in the Bible. Some kind of characteristic, some kind of thing about them I kind of connect with. And Elisha, he kind of was a little bit of a smart aleck. He was a little bit, he had a little bit of uh, sarcasm to him. And, and I, if you don't know me, I'm not always like that. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I kind of connected here with him. So Elisha kind of gets this attitude and he says, so you want to ignore God. You don't want to serve God. You want to live in sin. But now when you need help, you want to call on the Lord. Now when you need help and you need him to deliver you from a situation, now you want some God action. You want that, you know that God's able and you've heard the stories and you've seen what I've done through his power. You didn't want to serve him then, but now you find yourself needing help from God. He was a smart aleck. But he kind of got that from his mentor. If you look at Elijah, you know, we read the story that Elijah went to the 450 false prophets. He walks up to him and he says, I have a challenge for you. You call on your God, and I'll call on my God, and the God that answers, we know to be God. So they, they begin, they, they accept his challenge, and they begin to call on their God, and, and they begin to scream, and they begin to, to, to do all these weird rituals and sacrifices and cut themselves and all these things that they begin to do to try to get their God to answer. And instead of just stepping back or being humble, Elijah sets back and he begins to mock them. He says, maybe your God is hard of hearing. Maybe your God is on vacation or is on a trip. Maybe your God is in the bathroom. Maybe your God, he starts making fun of them and, and calling them out. And then he's able to call upon his God, the living God. And, and you know the story, God shows up. So Elisha sees this 
This is what he was mentored under. This is the kind of, the kind of um, role model he had. We continue to read in verse 13. It says, Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and your mother. You can hear the little bit of the attitude he's got with them. Why do I, you know, he brought his mama into it. Go to your mom's people, you know. He, he has a little bit of an attitude, but, but the king of Israel said, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hands of Moab. frozen. We've got a buffer going on here. Here we go. And then Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, surely we are not that regard the presence of Jehoshaphat. So pretty much saying if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, because see, he had at one time feared the Lord. He kind of had a little bit of a relationship with Elisha. <clears throat> King of Judah, I would not look at you, nor see you. But now bring me a musician then it, be, then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. See, he, he begins to tell him, okay, if I'm going to do this thing for you, I need you to do this. I need a musician. You know, and this wasn't uncommon for, for the prophets to do, but it was kind of a, it was a hard task. He, not only did he ask for a musician, another translation says, bring me a harpist. So in the middle of the desert, we don't have water and we don't have, we don't have all this stuff and I need you to bring me the biggest, heaviest instrument and bring it before me to play. He says, if I'm going to do this, I need some hype music. I need some mood music to set the right tone. See, as I mentioned, it wasn't uncommon for the prophets to do this. There's something about it, even today. You know, I, I think all the time, what if the way we did church was reversed? I think any minister here could tell you that it'd be so, I think it could be so much harder to stand up here before you all before praise and worship. See, praise and worship gets us into this different atmosphere. Praise and worship is a time, as, as a minute ago, we just loved on God. We, we just told him that we love him, and we took that time to worship him and to give him praise, and it was something that we do for God. But at the same time, worship brings us into a spiritual realm to where God can communicate with us. That's a the, that's the time that we begin, God begins to speak to us. And when I start to prepare for a sermon or if I'm praying and believing God for something, I, I, I find myself listening to praise and worship music to kind of help me get into that mind, to get me into that spiritual realm. And this is what Elisha does. So as the music begins to play and Elisha begins to sing or to pray, the kings get excited. He's about to give us a word. I hear the music. God is, is beginning to move. And, you know, they're, they're waiting for this miracle to take place. And he's about to give us a word of encouragement. He's about to give us our solution. And he does not do that at all. He gives them this ridiculous command. Going back to 15 and reading through 16 this time. says, but now bring me a musician. Then the 16 says, then he said... Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. They was waiting for God to open up the heavens and, and just pour out these floodgates of water, an instant miracle. They was waiting for, for him to go out and do some kind of rain dance and, and, and be able to, then they can all just fill their cups and their, their, their canteens and be able to have water for their, their animals. They expected God to provide a miracle of their terms, and what they had witnessed before. So when he tells them what God says, that you need to make these, this land full of ditches, the king's response is, so you want me to send my men in this hot desert? They've already been here seven days without water, and you want them to go out and do manual labor in the hot desert sun? They're already on the verge of, of death. They already have went seven days without water. And you want them to, to go out and do manual labor under the sun? And Elijah responds, yes, dig some ditches. 
but there's no sign of rain and there's no, there's no sign of, of a storm. There's no wind, nothing, no clouds in the sky. There's no signs showing us that there's actually going to be rain take place. Dig some ditches. See, we're going to see that our greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives us to depend on God. 17 and 18 says, For thus says the Lord, you shall not see the wind, nor shall you see the rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. So see, he tells them, my God, the God that I serve, this is an easy task. It may not make sense to you. You're not going to really see the signs of the water. You're not going to see the signs of, of, of clouds or rain coming. But God is able to do exactly what he says he's going to do. And this is a simple task. See, and not only is he going to do what you're asking of him, not only is he going to bring the water, not only is he going to, to, to fill the need that you have right now, your significant need, your more pressing and urgent need, he's also going to, to take and give you the victory in your battle. The very reason and the vision that you had before, the reason why you find yourself in this situation, God is also going to bring you through. So he's going to bring you water. You're going to be able to drink. Your animals are going to be able to drink. You're going to have a victory. You're going to win this battle. But before you do, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to do something for me. I need you to dig a ditch. And this, this scene, this, this is kind of the, the concept of our story today. This is kind of what sets the tone for our message and, and begins to, for, to like lay the line for us to understand what it means to have faith that works. See, I, I, when we look at this story and we think about how it applies to our lives, what does this mean for us today? We're talking about faith that works. That's kind of a play on words a little bit. We're talking about faith that is effective, so it works, it, it helps with the solution, it's effective, but we're also talking about faith that works as an action, doing something. See, we're talking about faith that believes that if we take one step forward, God takes a step towards us as well. And we're going to, as we talk about faith that works, I've I, I got two principles this morning that I want to share with you real quick. The first one is only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Now, I see a couple of faces that was in here at the first service, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to say that statement about 20 times today. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Let's read uh, James 2 and 26. <clears throat> Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Only God can send the water, but he wants, you, wants to see your faith. He wants you to dig a ditch. He wants to see that you're taking a step, that you have faith. So you, so you, when we go back to our story, do you think God truly needed help from these men? The very God that created the desert they're in, the very God that created water, the very God that was able to speak life into their lives, do you think he needed help to bring water? No. He could, have, he could have just spoke and water could have fell from heaven. He could have spoke and ditches could have appeared. But he wanted to see their faith. He was saying to them that you've got to take this step. You've got, to go, you've got to take the first step and then I'm going to come and provide what you're needing. He's telling them, if you show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. See, God loves to see our faith. And I started thinking about that concept of how do we see faith? How do we actually see faith? And we see example after example. And when you go in the reading of the New Testament, and you begin to look at the life of Jesus, you start looking at the miracles that he performed. And, and this phrase comes over and over and over again. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. So how do we see faith? We see faith in action. By our actions. First example I thought about was Peter. When Peter was on the boat and they, they seen Jesus out on the, walking on the water and they believed him to be a ghost. 
And, they, and, and he, he you know, allows him to know that it's him. And, and Peter says, God, if it's you, allow me to come to you. Allow me to walk on the water. Allow me to meet you out there. And what does Jesus say to Peter? He could have just made Peter appear right in front of him. But he says, Peter, step out. He gave him an action. He wanted to see, see God so many times wants us and wants to see us participate in his miracle. He wants to see participation and wants to see that we're going to, to first dig a ditch. See, first we're going to take that first step. Another example was the man with the withered hand. See, Jesus was able to heal him, but then he gave him an action, gave him a command of an action that said, stretch out your hand. He said, I can heal you, but I want to see that you believe it. We can use the example of the, the man that was crippled. Jesus spoke to him and he healed him, but then he gave him a command. He gave him an action and it said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. He says, I'm going to heal you, but I'm not going to pick you up. I want to see your faith. I want to see the action. I want to see your faith. And then the last one I have is the blind man. And, you know, I, I've said this before, but, like, this, even when I was a kid, this grossed me out. To know that, that Jesus created mud from his spit and then wiped it on someone's face is disgusting to me. Even though it's Jesus' spit, it's still nasty. So knowing that he spit in mud and he wiped it on this guy's eyes to make him, to make him whole, to make him have his healing, he still gave him a command. He says, go and wash your eyes. He wanted to see his faith. He wanted, you know, he wanted to know that the man knew that he was healed. He wanted to know that he believed in the power of God that when he knew when he washed his eyes that he would be made whole. See, God will send the water, but he wants us to dig the ditch. And, and if you show him your faith, he will show you his faithfulness. We have to understand that Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I think we find ourselves, so many of us, as guilty of being in a situation, finding ourselves with a need, finding ourselves uh, with a struggle or something going on in our lives, and then just, well, I'm sitting, I'm sitting here waiting God to move on my behalf. I'm just going to sit right here and wait on God. And, I, I, you know, and we can do that. The Bible tells us to wait on the Lord uh, for certain situations. But there's also times that God wants us to dig a ditch. There's, you know, if, you, if you need to and you say to yourself, I want to quit smoking. Or I have another bad habit that I want to lay down and I need, I, I need faith. We have trash cans out back. As you leave today, throw, throw them in the trash can. Uh, leave them, throw them out your window this, on your way home. Take a step of faith and know God's going to come and help bring you through. Maybe you say, I want to heal a relationship. I find myself in a, having a broken relationship with someone that I love or someone that, that once meant something to me and I, I would love to see God restore that. I would love to have a, a healed relationship. Then we need to forgive before they even ask for forgiveness. Forgive them for what they've done. Take that step of faith. Show God your faith. Show someone love that, that is showing you nothing but hate. We got to dig a ditch. See, people, lots of times we, we, I hear people, and I know my parents said it growing up, and it's a goal of life when you, when you are in church or you're a Christian, that you want your kids to grow up. And my parents used to say, if nothing else, I just hope my, my kids will grow up and serve God. You know, but my, my parents, they would teach us, and they would show us, and they would give us examples, but that's not always the case. I believe lots of times we say, I want my kids to serve God, but then we don't teach them of the house of God as a priority. We don't, we don't teach them that, that reading our Bible and praying at home, we don't show that example. They don't see us do it. We don't do it. We don't read or pray with them. See, we want the outcome. We want when our kids are older to love God and have a relationship with Christ, but we're not willing to dig the ditch. People asking need financial freedom. Some people just want more money. I think everybody wants more money. But they don't want to dig the ditch. They don't, they don't want to tithe. They don't want to give offering. 
And you know, those in here that, that do tithe and that does give and that has, uh, gives offerings, you know the supernatural power that's behind it. See, we understand that 90% with God goes farther than 100% without him. And I know we have a lot of teachers in this church and that that really doesn't make sense that 90 is better than 100, but it works. And I'm telling you, there's a supernatural power behind it. When you show God your faith and he shows you his faithfulness, See, God will send the water, but sometimes we have to dig the ditch. And my second principle, real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. I think there's so many of us Christians, even as Christians, we put limits on God. You know, J.W. asked us a couple weeks ago when he was preaching if bumper stickers were still a thing. And I really don't think they are. I don't see them much anymore. But there's other things that we see, right? We see uh, all these signs at Hobby Lobby. And if you've not seen them, you can come to my house because we have every sign that Hobby Lobby's ever made is in my home. But they have these scriptures on it, and they're very well known. And, you know, with Christ, all things are possible. And we have these, and we know them. We have T-shirts that say it. And we, we have these signs that we hang on our wall that say it. And, but do we really believe it? We put, our, we put limitations on God, and I think we got to get to a point that we truly believe that we serve a God that, that can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. We have to, it's time that us as Christians remove those limitations we put on God and we start thinking big. With those things we always say, well, well that will never happen, we got to stop being able to put limitations on God and understand that we have to have a big dream. We have to have a big uh, uh, thought. We have to have a big vision. But I think sometimes we have people that's the opposite. I think of people that I've known in my life that they have a plan. They have, they have an option of... of uh, of something they want to do, and they go full force. You know, they, they got the big plan, and they're not willing to start small. So if we look at our, the principle a minute ago, real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. Zechariah 4 and 10 says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Sometimes we have, or some of us have big visions but is not willing to start small. When I began to start studying for this, I started thinking about different uh, examples to use. And I, I thought of all these big corporations and these multi-million dollar businesses that started in a garage and, or started with one person and the success that they had because they had a big vision but, the, but and they was willing to start small. They knew they had to start somewhere. But I also begin to think about churches. And I begin to think about our church. And, you know, I wasn't here in the beginning. But when I, when I went through uh, my MIP, you know, they, they taught us about the history of the church. And later on in Growth Track, and then now that we attend Growth Track, if you've ever been, you have heard the story of how we started. You've heard uh, that we had, and the leaders of the church had a vision that this would be a place where people would know God. They had a vision that this would be a healing place and, and this would be a place to be able to get connected and relationships would be restored and, and people's body would be healed and we would be in the community and we had this, they had this huge big vision of what this church would be, but they was willing to start small. See, they, had, they know that they didn't have a whole lot starting out and, and that you know Pastor Rick and JW knows that, that helped start this church was dreaming big, but was willing to start small. See, if you look today where we are, now we're not near being done. We still have big things to do, and we still have a vision that grows every single day. We have a vision, and we have hopes, and we still dream big. And in and, and some realms and some areas of, of ministry, we still are starting small in those areas. But we know that God is going to see us through because we're able to start small, but we believe big, and we don't put limitations on God. Let me encourage you today to dream big, but be willing to start small. See, we got to remember that only God can provide our needs. Only God can give us the water and the rain, but we have to take that step of faith. We have to dig the ditch. So we need faith that works. 
we say, God, I know that, that you can, then we start right where we are. Right in the middle of our mess, right in the middle of our situation, we got to be able to say, God, I know you can, and start right where we are. Let's end our story real quick in, in uh, 2 Kings 3 and 20. It says, the next morning about the time for offering the sacrifice, there was water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. They dug the ditch. As God instructed them to do, the next morning they had water. See, God saw their faithfulness. I think some of us here today, we have a significant need. I'd be willing to say most of us have a need in our life. See, we, we find ourselves saying, if only God would, and you fill in the blank. If only God would, would meet this need. If, if only God would, would answer that prayer. But we have to be able to remind ourselves. And I want you to understand and, and really grab a hold of that. And don't forget that in our greatest need, our blessing becomes, or our, in our greatest need, it becomes a blessing when it drives us to depend on God. I want you to remember that, that in order to get our need met, in order to, for God to send the water, we have to dig a ditch. Real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. See, it's my prayer this morning, and it's the, the prayer of the leadership of this church to see a church full of people that will think big, but is willing to start small. That is willing to believe uh, in faith long before, and believe in God long before they see signs of rain. Long before we see in the cards of our need being met, we're, we're going to stand and believe that God is going to bring us through. And know that if we take that step and we dig that ditch, that God is going to be faithful enough to send the water. So this morning, I, I want to give you some time for some self-reflection. I'm pretty good on time this morning. <clears throat> I, want to, I want to give you the opportunity to just think about what that is that you need in your life. Think about your need that you have. What is it that, that you need more than anything from God? What is it in our lives that, that we feel like is holding us back or we feel like is, is keeping us from our full potential or, or just if we would be happier or our marriage would be better or our work would be better if this thing could happen? And we have to understand that God is able to do it if we're willing and able to show him his faith. As he begins to play, will you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> I want to give you some time of reflection and this might be a little bit different but it's, it's pretty much the same I'm going to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes this morning <clears throat> the first thing I want to ask you this morning is do you know God see the Bible teaches us that the only way through salvation is by faith. So we have to have faith that works. We have to have the faith to know that, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that he rose again and that one day we're gonna be reunited with him forever. And this morning, I just wanna ask you the question, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? Are you saved? If not, I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe you, you used to. Maybe you was like one of these kings and you used to have a relationship with God. You used to follow God, but you find yourself in a place where you don't necessarily really have a relationship with God anymore. You find yourself in a situation that you, today, that you say, you know what? Today's the day. It's time. Today's the day that I, that I ask God to save me. Today's the day that I reconnect with God. If that's you today, will you raise your hand? 
Thank you. My next question is, how many of you all in this moment in your life is facing a significant need in your life? And you need prayer today. You see that there's something in your life that you just need God to move. And you just need us to believe with you this morning. If that's you, will you raise your hand? Thank you, Lord. And then the last one. How many of us during this need that we have or in future needs that we may have in the future want to be able to say, God, give me the faith to do something, even if it's ridiculous, like digging a ditch. God, that when I face this need in my life, when I face this situation in my life, God, I want to be prepared. I want to be trained. I want to have the mindset to know that you want to see my face and I'm going to step out. If that's you this morning, will you raise your hand? This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do something we talked about. I'm not calling anybody out. We have a prayer team here that would love to pray with you. But here's what I want to give you the opportunity to do. We talked about it. I want to give you the opportunity to do an action. I want to give you the opportunity, you know, the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith. In this story, we talked about he gave them a command. Jesus saw their faith, and he showed up. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to allow God to see your faith and ask you if you would step out. For whatever question that you was able to, to raise your hand and say, that was me, step out and come to this altar. I have things in my life and needs in my life that, that I need God to take care of. I've got things in my life that I, that I sit back and sometimes lay in bed at night and I look and I see and understand that, God, where am I at? Why has this not happened yet? And then I realize there's things in my life that I need to do. I'm going to be in this altar as well. This morning, I'm going to step out. I'm going to show my faith. As he begins to sing, I want to give you that opportunity today. Open the floodgates of heaven, let it rain, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven, let it rain, let it
encourage you today leave here knowing that it might not happen like it did in this story in the next day that their need was met it might not happen on our time and the, the way we think it should happen or we want it to happen but know that when there's a need that we can take a step of faith that when we take that step and we begin to dig the ditch that God will come through And when we show him our faith, that he will show us his faithfulness. We love you. We uh, hope to see you next week. Don't forget our life groups throughout the week. If you are interested in any of those, you can go on our website and find different ones or reach out to some of the staff. Uh, Have a wonderful week.